Well, good morning. If you're visiting, I'm Kieran. I'm on staff here, and uh, it's a delight to be following up on the seminar uh, from two weeks ago, uh, last Sunday and this Sunday, really kind of sort of follow through on some of the things that we were looking at uh, at the prayer seminar. Now, I told my parents a couple of days ago, this could be one of the most consequential uh, sermons I've, I've preached uh, in terms of how I was feeling about it. I learned at 730 uh, that really it's up to the Holy Spirit uh, as to whether anything is uh, consequential. Uh, so I need to pray uh, for me uh, and for us. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we praise you for your word and for your revelation. Uh, Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. And so we're asking you to please pour out your spirit upon us, work in our hearts and move mightily because apart from you, we can do nothing. So please move in our midst. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, there were three preachers who were discussing uh, the best positions for prayer uh, while a telephone repairman worked just nearby. Kneeling is the best, the first one claimed. Nah, the other one contended. I get the best results with my hands outstretched, standing to heaven. You're both wrong, said the third man. The most effective prayer position is lying prostrate, face down on the floor. Well, by this stage, the telephone repairman had had enough and exasperated. He said, hey, fellas, the best praying I ever did was hanging upside down from a telephone pole. (laughs) One of the reasons I like that story is because it illustrates actually the Latin root of the word precarious. Uh, the, the Latin root of the word precarious is, is prayer. Uh, so they're etymologically uh, created. Uh, because uh, life is precarious, uh, we pray. And, and what that means really is that um, the reality of life being so precarious is that we're always in a position to pray. Uh, our brothers and sisters in the two-thirds world, I think, uh, know more deeply than we do here Uh, how precarious life is. And so is it any surprise uh, that they're so committed to pray? And is it any surprise too, because of the precariousness of life, that the Apostle Paul says to the Colossians in our second reading, devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, We're really looking at two phrases this morning, two, uh, one verse, two phrases. The Apostle Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Uh, Of course, because life is precarious. And so he says, devote yourselves to prayer in Colossians 4 verse 2. And in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 17, he says, pray without ceasing. Why? Because life is so precarious. The uh, great reformer Martin Luther said, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. So why did uh, the Apostle Paul say, devote yourselves to prayer? It's an important question. Sometimes we need the why before we need the what. John Horry told a great story at the prayer seminar about his 17-year-old son, Jaron, and how he and his wife, Sonia, were constantly pleading with him, you you, you need to take a shower, you you need to take a bath, you you stink, you're going to get sick, you you, you need to take a bath. And, 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 And it was just all to no avail, telling him what he needed to do, until uh, he kind of uh, came into adolescence and he began to figure out that if he didn't take a shower, the girls at school and the girls at church wouldn't want to hang out with him. 
And so all of a sudden, the problem was solved. And John and Sonia found that he began to take a bath. He began to shower regularly. He, he, he didn't so much need to figure out the, the question of what. He needed to figure out the question of why. And, and I want to contend that, that it's the same for us when it comes to prayer. The Apostle Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. That's the what. And, and really, the question for us that will motivate us towards Doing that is to answer the question, why? Why does the Apostle Paul say devote yourselves to prayer? And to do that, I want to try and answer that question by looking at the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Now, there's a lot in there, but particularly the theme of prayer in the life of Jesus and in the life of the early church. And what I hope you'll get out of this is that you'll see that prayer is the body of Christ breathing. And so what I've got up on the screen here, and I'm going to zoom in throughout our message this morning, is every single reference in Luke and Acts to prayer. Uh, Firstly, we have uh, on the left side, we've got it, uh, let me show you, uh, the Gospel of Luke, and and the red uh, is is Jesus um, praying, and the purple, uh, which is around here, is Jesus teaching about prayer. And so you can just see how vital prayer was to Jesus' life and to his teaching. It made up a huge chunk of his teaching in the book of Luke. And then we've got here in the book of Acts, all the references in the book of Acts to prayer. And um, there's scriptures that are read, and I'm going to start zooming in in a second. As I say, that the red scriptures, it's kind of color code, are referring to Jesus' Praying, And so what I want to do is I just want to see you how vital prayer was to Jesus and to his ministry. So uh, you can see in uh, chapter uh, 3, I will come back to that, chapter 5, verse 16 of Luke, it says, But he would withdraw to desolate places to pray. And then in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night... He continued in prayer to God. Uh, Chapter 9, verse 18. Now it happened that as he was praying alone, the disciples were with him and he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? Uh, Here it is again in Luke chapter 9. This is the story of the Mount Transfiguration. You know how he goes up the mountain with um, Peter, James and John. Uh, And again, it says, as he was praying... As he was praying here, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. So this is uh, at the beginning of his life, the middle of his life. And now if we fast forward uh, to the end, have a look here. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And look at what he says. It says, He withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, If you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's praying. And then his very last prayer on the cross. Luke 23, verse 46. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said that, he breathed his last Prayer is the body of Christ 
breathing. Jesus was the most prayerful man who ever lived. Prayer is the body of Christ breathing. Uh, it's interesting, this verse here that I have up on the screen, verse uh, chapter 23, verse 46, uh, and part of the reason it interests me because um, in the Hebrew, the um, word for spirit and the word for breath is the same word in Hebrew. It's the word ruach. Can you say that with me? You've got to kind of get the guttural throat ready. Ruach is spirit. And spirit and breath is the same word. Now, let me be clear that Gospels weren't written in Hebrew. They were written in Greek. But Luke, who's writing this, was well aware of the Hebrew Bible and the connotation of the spirit being breath and the spirit being, uh, uh, ruach being the spirit as well. And so isn't it interesting that as you zoom out on Jesus' life, he spent his whole life breathing, literally, but breathing through prayer in dependence on his father. And then in the final prayer that he makes, after his final prayer, he gives up his spirit, he stops breathing, and then he dies. It's almost as if Luke is saying that for Jesus to stop praying is to stop breathing, is to give up the spirit who brings life, which is to die. And so you could go back to Martin Luther's quote and you might even apply it to the Lord Jesus. Never mind about being a Christian. You could say that to be Christ without prayer is no more possible than for him to be alive without breathing. Prayer is the body of Christ breathing. We see this uh, with Jesus, the body of Christ, literally, and that's what we see in the book of Acts. But now I want to have a look at what that looks like in uh, the, the body of Christ as in the church. So if you're like here, we're looking at the body of Christ as in Jesus, who is the second Adam, the prototype, our model of what it looks like to be human. That's the one to whom we're being all conformed. And now the body of Christ, as in after he ascended, let's look at what it looked like in the church. Now, going back to the reading, the Apostle Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer. Now, who's he talking to when he says devote yourselves to prayer? The church. Is anyone excluded in the church? He's writing a letter to the church in Colossae, to everyone, to the whole church. Devote yourselves to prayer. This is not for some specialist ministry. It's the whole church. Devote yourselves to prayer. And what I want to show you firstly in the book of Acts is that it's interesting that Paul saying devote yourselves to prayer is not the first time that that has been said. The language of devoting yourselves to prayer comes up three times in the book of Acts because prayer is the body of Christ breathing. And so let me show you right at the outset in Luke 1 verse 14. All these, it's talking about everyone. It's talking about the whole church. Paul says to the whole church in Colossae, devote yourselves to prayer. And then at the very outset of the book of Acts and the body of Christ... All of these, the entire church, with one accord, what were they doing? Oh, sorry, my pen's not great. What were they doing? 
devoting themselves to prayer. Paul isn't saying anything new here. This is what they did because prayer is the body of Christ breathing together with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and his church. This is the DNA of the church. So that's the first instance where we see this language of being devoted, the church being devoted to prayer. But then again, uh, the spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, and then we see the church is born. And you know the wonderful, if you know your Bibles, you know your New Testament, you know the wonderful description of the church in the, um, in, at the end of Acts chapter 2. Again, what do you see? And they devoted, there's that language again, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. There it is again. Devote yourselves to prayer. It's talking about the whole church being devoted to prayer. And then there's one more time where we see this language come up. Uh, I preached on this at the start of the year on the Volunteer Sunday, um, where the apostles um, set apart these deacons. uh, And what do they say? Same language. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. So this is what the church looks like. And then you can see what, throughout the book of Acts, um, examples of how they were devoted uh, to prayer. And uh, rather than go through them all, you just can see it throughout the book of Acts constantly. You just see them responding to every situation with prayer. Because prayer is the body of Christ breathing. So what's the big idea? The big idea is that our biggest problem is not so much that we don't know what to pray. It's not so much that we don't know how to pray. Our biggest problem is that we've forgotten who we are. We've forgotten who we are. We are the body of Christ. And prayer is the body of Christ breathing. If you don't breathe, you die. For those of you who know your New Testament, have you ever noticed out of all the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament, there are 20 of them, as far as I can tell, spiritual gifts in the New Testament. Have you ever noticed that there's no spiritual gift of prayer? Why is there no spiritual gift of prayer? It's simple. Because there's no gift of breathing. If you don't breathe, you die. Dear brothers and sisters, this morning, may the Spirit reveal to you that prayer is not a ministry of the church. Prayer is the beating heart of the church. Prayer is in an entirely different category to anything else because prayer is the body of Christ breathing. Please don't treat this as an optional thing. Please don't treat this as a hobby horse. Of Kieran's, please hear the word of the Lord and meditate on it. Prayer is the body of Christ breathing. Our problem is not that we need to learn what to pray so much or how to pray. It's that we've forgotten who we are. So what does it look like when the body of Christ is breathing? What happens? Uh, Note Uh, with me, that the Apostle Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, which we've covered the first half, being watchful and thankful. 
In other words, he's saying devote yourselves to prayer and then see what God can do. He can do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, he says in Ephesians 3. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful. See what God can do when you pray. Be watchful. You need to be on the lookout. Have the eyes of faith. Charles Spurgeon says, The other day I saw a greyhound chasing a rabbit. The moment the rabbit ran through the hedge out of the greyhound's sight, the race was over. For he could not follow where he could not see. The true hound hunts by scent, but the greyhound only by sight. Some Christians are too much like the greyhound. They only follow the Lord as far as they can see his manifest mercy. But the true child of God hunts by faith. This is what Paul is saying. Be watchful. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful. Paul Miller, John Hara, uses the language of resurrection hunting, hunting for resurrections, for the the life-giving spirit, wherever you look. The Apostle Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. So the word uh, being watchful uh, in the Greek is this word gregoruntes. It's the root, actually, of Gregory. I don't know if we've got Gregs here. I apologize if you've been here forever and I've forgotten Uh, But I looked up Greg, uh, Gregory, it's the same word. It means be vigilant, be watchful. Gregoruntes means to stay awake, to be in constant readiness, to be on the alert, to remain fully alive. Uh, It struck me over the recent months that this is what the biblical writers are doing. Remember, we believe in the co-authorship of the scriptures, that it's it's the word of God, but it's through the the, um, authorship of humans. And what the humans are doing when Luke writes the book of Acts or Esther or Ruth is that they're just being watchful. They've been watchful to see God's hand at work and then divinely inspired, they've been able to put it down. So when you're reading Esther, when you're reading Ruth, when you're reading biblical narrative, think about those authors who have done what the Apostle Paul tells us to do in Colossians 4 verse 2, which is to be watchful to see God's hand at work. And then through the divine authorship of the Spirit, they've been able to write that down because they've been watchful for God's hand. And Paul says, I want you to do that. And so what I want to do now is take you into Luke's watchfulness as he's um, been watchful for what happens when the people of God pray, when the body of Christ is breathing. See what happens when the body of Christ And I want to go through again this second half, this second phrase of being watchful to see what God does when his people pray. And so firstly, let's see what happens in Luke 3.21. As Jesus was praying, we're told. Luke is so intentional about including prayer in what he's saying. It didn't happen by accident. We can be so agnostic about how the spirit moves, but you look at the book of Luke and Acts and they were praying. They were praying. Aha! They were praying and the spirit moved. So um, as Jesus was praying, the, the heavens were opened. So look at what happens. Are you watching? Look at what happens as he's praying. The heavens were opened. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. This didn't happen by accident. It happened as he was praying. And Luke wants you to notice. He wants you to see. Uh, Let's keep going and look at 
uh, another one. That's at the beginning of his life at Jesus' baptism. And I notice this um, in Luke 22, verse 41. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane. Have a look with me. It says, Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. Now we see here what he prayed to his father, a famous prayer. But then look what happened as he was praying. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. As he was praying, there appeared to him an angel to strengthen him. Do you think he was praying for strength before going to the cross? Maybe, probably, right? It's interesting because it's as they were praying as well at the start of the book of Luke, we get this scene. I wasn't going to do this, sorry, hopefully. Anyway, verse 10, the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of the incense. This is outside the temple. This is the beginning of the gospel. They're praying outside and Zechariah is inside the, the temple. He's the high priest. And what happens while they're praying? The angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will call his name John. Isn't that interesting? While they're praying, an angel appears to Zechariah at the start of Luke and then at the end of Luke, while Jesus is praying, an angel appears to him to strengthen him as they were praying. It's all through the book of Luke. Uh, We can see it on the Mount Transfiguration. Look at what happens as he's praying with Peter, James and John in Luke 9 here. Uh, They went up to the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, I don't know how many times that phrase comes up in the book of Luke. I, I wish I'd counted it. But as he was praying, what happened? His appearance became, his face was altered and his clothes became dazzling white. Behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, in whom I am well pleased. And so these are all things that happened as Jesus was praying. Now, if you're sitting there and thinking, well, that was Jesus, he's in a special category. Firstly, I would say, no, Jesus is the one that we're all being conformed to. He's the new Adam, and he's the one that we're being conformed to into his likeness again and again. But secondly, I want to show you that it wasn't just Jesus, because it's not just the body of the way the body of Christ breathes, as in Jesus. It's also the way the body of Christ, the church, breathes. And so Luke takes us through the book of Acts again, and he says, I want, I want to show you what it looks like when the body of Christ is breathing, when the breath of the Spirit is poured out upon his church. And so let's have a look with me firstly at Acts chapter 2. Uh, we've said many times that this was a 10-day prayer meeting, that they, um, because Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift my Father promised. And so they're there praying, and then comes to the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 verse 1 and when the day of Pentecost arrived they were all together in one place doing what they were in chapter verse 14 which is praying and suddenly suddenly let's count them there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting now uh, you know how I said ruach in Hebrew means spirit as well as breath guess what else it means in the text This is Greek, huh? Wind. Now, again, it's not the word ruach because this is in Greek, right? 
but Luke was deeply immersed in, in the Hebrew culture and language, and he knew well the connotation between breath, wind, and spirit. And so what happens, there's a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. It div- divided tongues as a fire appeared to them. Remember we said last week, the spirit brings fire. Divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. This all happened as they were praying. Let's keep going. Looking now to Acts chapter 4, verse 31. Um, Peter, they'd performed some miracle. They were preaching in Jesus' name and the Sadducees arrested them and said, no, you can't preach in Jesus' name. And then um, after they were released, they um, got together uh, in Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And, they, and when they had prayed, there's this beautiful long prayer that you can read in Acts chapter 4. When they had prayed, again, what happened? One, the place in which they were gathered was shaken. Two, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, they'd already been given the Spirit at Pentecost, right? But Ephesians 5, Paul says, keep on praying for the Holy Spirit. In Luke 10, Jesus says, ask for the Spirit, and the Father delights to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And so again, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And three, continue to speak the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter 12, Uh, this time Peter was arrested and um, uh, he's put in jail. It says, um, chapter 12, verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Um, now, if you know the story in chapter 12, he's in prison. There's this prayer meeting that, that's happening, and as they're praying, there's an earthquake. His chains fall off. The angel comes and visits him, and he, um, he, he leaves the prison. Uh, he's completely set free, and then he, like, thinks he's in a dream and then he actually wakes up and he's like, oh wow, that really happened. And then he goes, remember, he goes to the the, the prayer meeting that was happening overnight. He goes to them once he's free uh, and it says in here, when he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Can you see what Luke is trying to uh, show? That, That what happens when the body of Christ is breathing and all of the things that he does. There's too many to go through, but um, there's another one here in Acts chapter 16 in Philippi um, where, do you remember the story of how there was this little girl with, um, uh, with a demon who was able to predict the future and her slave owners were like, sweet, we're going to make a living off of this girl because she's able to predict the future and people will pay us money. And then Paul comes and she's delivered from this demon and they're like, we can't make any money over this. This is terrible. And so they create this riot and they get Paul and Silas to, to be thrown into prison. And what happens? This wonderful story at the absolute bottom of the J-curve. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And you skip ahead. What happened? Again, there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. They all get out of prison. The prison owner, the the jailer is like, oh, no, he's about to kill himself because he's like, I'm not going to survive this. And they're like, wait. And they preach the gospel. He's converted. He goes home. His whole household is converted. They're all baptized. And a church is born in Philippi 
born out of them singing and praying in, in chains, in prison. So Paul is saying, devote yourselves to prayer and then see what God does. The Apostle Paul is saying, prayer is the body of Christ breathing and I'm going to try and show you what it looks like when the body of Christ is breathing. The continual outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Miracles, signs and wonders. Your young men will dream dreams and your daughters will prophesy. Angelic visitations. God's angel armies coming to bring deliverance. Boldness in preaching the gospel to people. Outcasts, the last, the least and the lost, being delivered, rescued, saved, brought into God's house. New churches being planted, new churches being born. Earthquakes and prison breaks. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, I've got a bunch of stories I'd love uh, to tell you. We've already heard one passed on from Clive about what this is beginning to look like for me. Uh, But I've put just one of them in the musing for this morning. And so you you, you can take that home and and you can read it. I'd love to tell you what happened a few weeks ago when I was praying for meekness. And then as I was praying for meekness, someone came up to me and absolutely ripped me to shreds like I've never been ripped to apart for years. I'd love to be able to tell you uh, how God uh, answered my prayer uh, for meekness as literally, I'm not kidding, I'm not making this, as I was praying. It's been one of the most vicious attacks I've come under for a decade or, or more as I was praying for meekness and how God was able to Bear fruit in me, the fruit of love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. There is no way I could have borne those fruit if I hadn't been asking God to teach me meekness. I'd love to tell you about how some months ago we had Daniel Principe from Collective Shout come and tell us about the travesty of the pornification of society and the sexualization of girls and how we prayed desperately for God to bring down perpetrators and sex traffickers. And then in the news a few months later, I see these sex traffickers are in jail. Hallelujah. Psalm 94, Father, that's exactly what we prayed for, that they'd be put behind bars. And two of them, one in Romania and now one, uh, one from Sydney, behind bars, just as we prayed. Hallelujah. Prayer is the body of Christ breathing. So brothers and sisters this morning, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Why? Because prayer is the body of Christ breathing. There's no gift of prayer because there's no gift of breathing. If you don't breathe, you die. But when the body starts to breathe, it lives. Because the spirit is the breath of life. And he brings life. Can you, can you someone grab the pew sheet and with a big voice and just read it? Can you read out the prayer? Sorry, I put you on the spot. Big voice, you're going to have to just someone. Big voice. Oh, you've got a mic. Life-giving God, your son came into the world to free us all from sin and death. Breathe upon us with the power of your spirit that we may be raised to new life in Christ 
and serve you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Now, in God's providence, and this was not planned, I've been put on intercessions this morning. I don't know what happened, but uh, it's me to lead intercessions. And I'm going to turn it over to you because we're talking about becoming a praying church and devoting ourselves to prayer. It's not the minister, although it does say that in Acts Acts chapter 6, we'll devote ourselves to prayer. But we've seen very clearly, Colossians 4.2, you devote yourselves to prayer. Anyway, I'm going to get on my pulpit again, although this is a pulpit. Um, So we're going to pray. So I want to invite you to please turn to the people next to you, around you. Brothers and sisters, uh, if you're new, if you have no idea how to pray, just sit there, be quiet. Please don't feel guilty. We're all at different levels when it comes to praying. I've taught my boys to pray with three simple words. Thank you. Sorry. Please. I've been amazed at how effective it's been every time we meet. So the people around you, please turn to them. Introduce yourself if you don't know them. Don't be ashamed of not praying. You can just sit there. Please pray. Thank you. Sorry. Please.